Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jerry Park. Welcome. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour on this fine Friday night. And joining me this evening, I'm excited about this. Sam Marcel. Hey. How you doing, man? Hey, buddy. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm, I'm very excited myself. Now, I want to play a game of Guess Who. Okay. Listen to this guitar style for a little bit. Okay. And tell me who this is. Is it a Cliffs of Dover guy? No, he's really good, though. And it does sound similar to him. It's, I want to say tone-wise, I would normally say, I'd say Stevie Ray. It's got a taste of that little Jimmy, too. But it's better than Jimmy had a kind of a sloppy tone. But, but it's, it's got way more delay on it than, than, than either one of they, them ever used. Right. So you're trying to throw me for one right now. It's a live performance. It's not a studio thing. Yes, I hear the crowd much like mine. <laughs> All right, here we got. Okay. Well, I think this is like around a little after the turn of the century. That's it's my favorite, man. Wait, is, is this John Mayer? No. Huh? <laughs> John Mayer's not my favorite. I, hey, Mayer can play some mean guitar. He can. No, and okay, this, by the way, is his royal badness. Oh, the purple one. Yeah. You'll hear him here. He uh, He's in Minneapolis, and he calls out another guitarist in the crowd. Somebody said Johnny Lane was in the house. I've seen this DVD. Yes. I have seen this. And uh, we're waiting on you, Johnny. Um, um, I should have said Prince. It, it's well, it's obvious with me. Yeah, and I gave Emily those two records last night. I hope she enjoys them. Hope she enjoys them. Now, Baron wanted me to come on and say, "So do you like Mardi Gras in New Orleans?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I, I appreciate and respect the take that yeah. uh, that Mardi Gras has has developed in New Orleans. Um, but I appreciate going. You know, I, I prefer the original Mardi Gras from my hometown, Mobile, Alabama. Okay, so. I've I went to Mobile's Mardi Gras, but I was really young, which actually was I think the perfect age for the parade stuff. Like right. um, when my uncle was down there as a pastor at St. Dominic's. Yep, and it, I have great memories of that. And I was a moon pie fiend. <laughs> it's it's so funny that something that was made out of Chattanooga is now dropped on New Year's Eve in Alabama. <laughs> right, I know it doesn't make any sense, but it's great. They're delicious. It is. It's well. I say that now. I was thinking like a kid still. You know what? It, 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 even my age, a, a chocolate moon pie in the microwave with a tall glass of whole milk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's living. Actually does sound really good. <laughs> but you just reminded me something, us opening up. John Mayer. Yeah. Mayer 
is a remarkable guitarist. He did. He got close to what I'm wanting with the John Mayer Trio. It was great, and like that DVD special he mm -hmm. put out. And I've I got to see him at Jubilee right when he got started. He had that hit, uh, his first hit, and he was at Jubilee with Blues Traveler. He opened up for them, and uh, I've always wanted John to give me just like a bare bones like power rock trio album and he's never given it to me he flirted with it with the john mayer trio he he on the crossroads eric clapton concert he, he played a damn good like just him playing guitar sort of solo and rhythmic thing but he's never given me like the the hendrix he did a cover of axis bold as love but he's never given it to me <laughs> Uh, when Mayer came out, I was I was in college, so this is 2000, 2001, and I was playing in a dirty, sweaty Southern, not Southern rock, but I guess I guess we call it now Americana kind of, yeah. you know, four hundred unit esque, but but fifteen years ago, God, I'm old. Um, <laughs> and Mayer came out, and I'd be playing. I had my band that I played guitar in. I didn't I didn't sing, but I also was doing the solo stuff that I could do now because that pays bills really well. Oh yeah. And um, you'd get all these these you know college girls and everything. Oh, do you know John Mayer? And, and I was like, I'm not playing this. Your body is not a wonderland. <laughs> um, and I remember somebody one time saying, you know, he supposedly is this amazing guitar player. And the only thing I was really impressed with was the fact that he dated like everybody that was like the hot girl from True. the sitcom. It was like. It was like, even at the same age as myself, he was like, I'm going after Party of Five, Friends. Jennifer Love Hewitt, Jennifer yeah. Aniston, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he goes, it's um, it's like he said, when he was in music school, it's almost like he sat there between 4 and 6.30 watching, like, the WB. It was like, yeah. I'm going to date her, her, and her one day. Yeah. And then, the first in 2000, I used to, I, when I first got into working in the music industry, a company I worked for um, produced the first Crossroads Music Festival that was in Chicago. Oh, wow. Okay. And before the DVD came out, um, our company got copies of the DVD, so we were playing them in, in our stores. And Mayor gets up there, and I'm just like, ah. And I remember just standing there, just mouth just wide open, just like, well, maybe he's got chops. Yeah. And then they, they like, because if you watch that first DVD, you, you see him. And then they put him on stage with like BB King, Eric Clapton, Eric Johnson, you know, Jimmy Vaughn, and he's cutting heads. Oh, he really Is this what you're talking yeah. about? The double polo shirt days. <laughs> oh man. Well, and this is my first time I went, man, Mayor can play. Yeah. Like, I remember seeing this for the first time and, and staying there, and I'm just like, J.J. Johnson. What is he? No. <laughs> hey, no way. And it's really impressive because, I mean, you can put a lot of effects on, yeah. and you can sound pretty damn good, but when you've got that fairly clean, little distorted sound, and you're mostly relying on yourself to provide the rhythm and all that, yeah, he's doing some pretty difficult stuff there. <laughs> it reminds me of Stevie Ray Vaughan. It does. I mean, he's he's... He's unabashed in saying that he's Stevie Ray's okay. his guy. But I mean, with this with this band, he had like Steve Jordan on drums, which oh he, yeah, he, he, like I'm sitting there like, well, I was like, that's why is Steve Jordan with Mayor? <laughs> right. Well, then, and then he had Pino Palladino on bass, 
Oh, he's, yeah. He's the tall, skinny, just a beast. I mean... Yeah, that's the trio. And... And I was just like, oh, okay, let's see what this, what's going on. This guy can play. Well, and I want to, you said, you know, Stevie was his guy. Yeah. Uh, for me, the guy who made me want to play guitar uh, was Jimmy Page. It's that one moment in that DVD they came out with at the, in Madison Square Garden, I believe, where he does uh, Since I've Been Loving You. And he does that crazy run up the neck. Mm-hmm. And I can remember being like 12, you know, and I uh, want to do that. Like I, I want to be able to do that. Like it, it's so good. Um, and maybe this is it. This might be it. Uh, that's probably off. The song remains the same. Uh, no, wrong thing. My goodness, that's another great guitar solo. Uh, the guitar gently weeps. Yeah, I don't want to do this. This. It's very cool to me that I I have never forgotten that moment. Yeah. Or it's like, okay, he's a guitar god. He's that rock god. And I guess I'm part of the generation where the 70s and 60s were getting remembered and brought back and remastered. Um, For you, you know, for me, it's Jimmy Page. Who was it that, or do you have a moment, any sort of memory where you're like, I want to play guitar? Um, I'll be be real honest. I, I I remember being like probably... Like six, five, six, seven, with a plastic guitar, like watching the monkeys on like Nickelodeon afternoon. Yeah, I don't. It didn't. It hadn't. And I'll tell you the moment when I when I got like the laser beam to the you know. Um, but I remember like I always had a guitar in our family. Even though I'm basically the only musician, hmm. there was music everywhere. My my parents were into Motown, almonds. I mean, it's and that's kind of that's kind of the big thing about growing up on the Gulf Coast is that. It's such a. There's so much music down there. Yes. I mean, there's there's live music seven nights a week at multiple stages. I mean, and it's everything from funk and blues to country. But I was just strumming toy guitars, and then I remember one, one thing was the bass breakdown in Paul Simon's uh, "Call Me Out." Yes, yeah. I remember hearing that and not knowing what bass was. I just knew I had to play guitar. I remember hearing that that slap, and yeah. it was like, oh, that's amazing. Um, the album, though, that really got me listening to guitar, and the first guitar hero I had was Joe Perry of Aerosmith. Yes. Um, I, and I remember going to my mom and saying, have you heard about this new band, Aerosmith? <laughs> and I think it was the album Permanent Vacation, which had Dude Looks Like a Lady, Ragdoll, Hangman Jury. Angel was yeah. a big ballad yeah. on it. I remember a lot of those. Songs. And then right after that, they had Pump. Yeah, which had Love in the Elevator, <laughs> Janie's Got a Gun, Other Side, um, What It Takes. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And and my mom kind of laughed, and she went and pulled out an eight track of the first Aerosmith album that had Dream On. Um, Did they have Train kept rolling all night long? Um, that long? Train, I think, first came out on a live album because it's a Yardbird okay. song. Yeah. Um, but that was that there was kind of like I wanted to go play guitar, right? So um, I went to a school called St. Paul's in Mobile, 
and they offered guitar lessons. And if I'm if I'm talking too much, tell me to. Oh no, but you're uh, not. They um. So I was already in sixth grade. It was the first year they offered band at St. Paul's. So I was playing saxophone and band, and they were offering after school guitar lessons. So my mom and dad were like, "You need to take guitar lessons." And the guy that was teaching is a guy named Hank Becker. Hank Becker, I did not realize this, um, was a local legend. Um, he's, he's since passed, but, I mean, he wrote songs for Wet Willie. I mean, he'd open for the Allman Brothers. I mean, he if, if, if you look up, he even has a Spotify channel. Right. Um, but Hank Becker is a Gulf Coast legend that just was always almost there. And I remember my first guitar lesson was at a building on campus. And St. Paul's was a very conservative school, you know, we emblems on the jacket and ties <laughs> okay yes very buttoned up so i remember going trying to find this guy and i see this guy standing outside one of the buildings where I'm, i think my lesson is and he's got long hair a beard and he's drawn on a marble <laughs> i'm like he must he, that's not my teacher and finally he looks at me and he's like hey are you sam again like, yeah. he's like okay let's get to picking so I started learning from him, and he was showing. He wasn't your normal guitar teacher. It wasn't classical and scales and everything. I mean, he was like, "What's your favorite song?" Yeah, and I was like, "I love Aerosmith." I'm sixth grade at this point. I mean, not even 13 years old, really. And like, he's showing you the start to like draw the line, the down, 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 down. Yeah. Um, and then he's showing you Beatles and Zeppelin and stuff, but he's making it easy for you. All right. But but to answer, but the big all of a sudden just like hit me was there's a band. Well, good thing about having older cousins and being on the coast is all these bands that came through. And my older cousin had played me this band called Driving and Crying. And off their album Mystery Road, song three is a song called uh, Honeysuckle Blues. And it just has this huge hit at the beginning, just a big A chord, like da da da. Yeah. And I was probably 17 years old. Me and a buddy of mine, Lee Shanklin, had drove my 1983 Ford LTD over to South Alabama. And they had this thing called USA Palooza, USA Palooza, which was going to be which was a music festival and driving and crying headlined. And the only song I knew about them was like Fly Me Courageous and Straight to Hell. Mm-hmm. And I remember arms up on the balcony, I mean, on the barricade, looking up at Kevin Kenny. And he's playing the black Mose Wright with a white pit guard. And all of a sudden, he hits that big A chord. And all of a sudden, I was like, that's it. <laughs> three three chords in the truth. I was like, that's the three-piece band just rocking it out. And that that's kind of what changed me. Yeah, I, I, there's something about... It doesn't even have to be that complicated at a certain point. I mean, it it can be just... It, you hit the right chord with the right backing. It fits the lyrics. It fits the song. And it speaks to you. Like, it doesn't have to always be... Though well, no, I did get into that phase, like, okay, who's the most, like, proficient, complicated guitarist, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's... Oh, you have your guitar so, in the studio. Yeah, there is a guitar. I mean, it was just... I mean, this isn't electrified, but, like, it was like... Those hits, and like every time you hit that, I mean, the cymbals were hitting, the bass yeah. was hitting, and you're 17. I mean, mom and dad didn't come to the show with you. I mean, it was just, it was, it was just rock and roll. Yeah, and there's a moment for me where I love songs that have that, 
that rest in it in the middle of like yeah. I guess uh, off the top of my head, Limelight by Rush has yeah. that where it, you know you let you let the space breathe, you let a little sounds come in, and you come back up, and all of a sudden it take you on that almost like riding waves. It, it's it's that blues influence, I think, a little bit. But. It, it is. It's, I mean, it's there's a, a keyboard player one time I used to play with. I, I had a real issue, especially when I moved here from the bands I was playing with, of playing. Overly playing. I'll just be real honest. <laughs> okay. Just playing too much? I just, look at me. I'm the guitar player type stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was playing with a band um, called House on Wheels, which was kind of a party jam band. They were already really big on the college circuit here out of Montgomery, and I was taking the place of, of a guitar player they had named uh, Gabe, Gabe Wannis, who was amazing. And... Um, they would like their set list was party songs for colleges like it'd be Jack Johnson Lionel Richie Michael Jackson yeah but like if Fish was playing them okay so I wasn't really used to these you know 10 minute 15 minute versions of songs and having to play tastefully and slowly and and I finally kind of started following in the groove and was kind of retraining myself and re-listening to how I played and um um a buddy of mine was like hey you you're fitting the bill better, my friend. And I went, really? He goes, always remember, he goes, it's not what you play, it's what you don't play. Yeah. Yeah, it's what you, you allow the song um, to sort of re- tell you and yeah. lead you where you need to go. And, you know, the show-off phase, especially when you first learn, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's still fun to show off. But it's like when you, <laughs> when you can uh, like make it go. Oh, like my roommate Andrew has a good point about Brian May of Queen. Yeah, it's like he's not like gonna blow your mind with his proficiency, though he is very proficient and precise. But it's always the way Andrew puts it. It's correct. It fits the song yeah. so well to take it to that next level. And I love artists like that uh, who can find a song whether it's kind of a slow ballad or it's a you know fast rocker and they they find the groove exactly yeah as guitar players i think we sometimes forget when it comes especially to a solo or interlude that it doesn't necessarily need to be this just like screaming just face melting i mean it, it at times, you need to write a part for the song. Right. It, it's it's not a solo. It's an accompaniment to the rest of the music. Well, and I last night, and my favorite guitarist, I think he's one of the best. Just it's subjective, obviously. Yeah. It is Prince. And to your point, I pulled, this is like, oh, it had to be like 2010 or 2009, maybe. And I've got it here in the system. Um, it's an after show in London. And it's uh, All the Critics Love You in New York is the original song of 1999, but he's doing it All the Critics Love You in London. And then there's this moment here where I'm about to play it, where it's Morris Hayes on the clavinet and the keys, and how he fills it with rhythm is, uh, it's, it's fitting the song. There's the turnaround, kind of the big guitar sound. breakdown here same lesson for the clavinet just stay in the pocket you can dance if you want to all the critics love you in London all the critics love you in London oh here it comes all the critics I swear here it comes 
you funky boys. Y'all hear Mr. Hayes? Kick drum, Mr. Hayes. See, like, right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it becomes almost uh, like you're playing guitar, but you're also kind of playing, like James Brown said, that's not a guitar, that's drums. That's not a saxophone, that's drums. And that moment right there, it's, yeah, how does the song fit with, you know, how do you fit in with the other instruments and the idea of the yeah. song is what I, I really love. Now, uh, man, we're already 20 made it, 28 minutes in. Did you miss a spot? A no, no. I only have one break here, and we'll hit it here in a second. <laughs> you know how this business works. Um, but I, you play with bands, and, you know, especially when you're doing the college scene, and you're, like, what you, I believe you still do, like, you, you're playing at a bar or something, yeah. and people want to hear songs they know. But I imagine, have you ever gotten into making your own music? Yes, yes, I, I, I write. Yeah. Um, I have originals, um... Uh, a few months ago, I actually cut three rough demos. Um, the band I was in in college, Humble Roots, we were with Black Dog Records out of Monticello, Mississippi, and mm-hmm. Route One Recording, which they used to record Panic, Widespread Panic, before they were big, um, Beanland, Blue Mountain, um, Carrie Hudson. These are all regionally big acts that, for some reason, are like huge and like all Louisiana, all Mississippi, Kentucky, but they just don't make it to central Alabama. Um, of course, we no longer have a regional place to play, but yeah. Um, but um, we were with them. We had an album out, and it was played on college stations. It was played on, uh, I think, ninety two Zoo in Mobile. Um, of course, there'd be USM in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and that was that band was more of a collaborative. We was our we had a singer that would write a, basically the bare bones of the song and lyrics, and. Um, I've always, as a guitar player and a singer second, guitar player first, I always would put the riffs and, and stuff on top of it. Um, over the years, the stuff I write now is, is I'm, I've had to try to put on a different hat because I got so used for, I mean, 20 some odd years being the guitar player and now wanting to be more of a songwriter. Right. So it's it's very much a different hat the way you think. You're not thinking about riffs. you got to be thinking about the lyrics and the song and the content. But... um. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got a good bit of originals right now, um, and uh, I keep saying that this is going to be the year <laughs> that I that I at least put something out with with at least a band. I don't I appreciate like doing an acoustic album, but you know I, I know too many good musicians around town that that I can put something together and get it recorded and right. You know, you know it's it's so yeah. I mean, style wise, writing. I think I fall into the, I guess call it Southern singer songwriter, sure. which is, you know, I look at guys like Kevin Kenny from Driving and Crying is 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 seriously one of my biggest influences ever. Um, kind of more for the Texas stuff. I'm a big Texas country guy for some reason. Like Corey Moreau, Pat Green is a huge influence. Um, and and what, the funny one is is like Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> okay. Um, as a kid, I absolutely despised Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Um, growing up on the Gulf Coast, especially growing up like doing junior sailing and and, 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 and being and racing at the yacht club and stuff, it was like 
Buffett was everywhere. Yeah, it became a cliche. I mean, to, to me, because I was kind of the punk rock high school kid at a private school, and everybody's blaring this. I mean, it, you know, to me, I was just like, I remember like getting like bleach from Nirvana, and somebody was like, oh, I got songs you know by heart by Buffett. And I'm like, <laughs> like ah. Uh, yeah. I don't want to play that stuff. And, and now as I've gotten older, though, I've gone back, and, you know, you hear a song, and especially, you know, around Montgomery, you there is usually there are some places you could play and do a lot of original music, but it's it, you know covers are not a bad thing. People that say covers are a bad word is, is not a bad word. No, you know if we're playing at like Sinclair's or something and people right. and when people have a good time in there and they want to hear Pirate Looks at Forty, I'll play Pirate Looks at Forty. But it wasn't until probably recently that talking about him being an influence, just lyrically. I mean, it's it's almost like Mark Twain is is writing a song and the and the thing is if you do any research on the man, it's it's not made up. I mean this. He's done these things. Like, he's flown over Jamaica and been shot at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it comes from a real place. And that's, I mean, that's where the best stuff comes from. Yeah. Where it's your actual experience. Now, we are going to hit a break here. I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, I, you know, we got this time. Would you want to play a song? I, I can't play a song, yeah. Okay, let's hit this break, and we'll yep. come back, and we'll come to you. All right. Again, folks, my guest is Sam Marsal. We're just talking about guitar and music and hanging out it's friday night feel good friday feel good friday and part of me wanting to bring you on is uh i got out of college jumped into this job and um yeah I, for some reason i just kind of put it down yeah and i'm i'm had this itch lately of oh i gotta get back into it but uh we're gonna go out with some blues here a little bit of showing off and uh <laughs> We'll come back with some more original music. Keep talking to Sam. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Talk to you in a minute. Welcome back. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. We're having fun tonight. Enjoying having a fun Friday. Good times. Good times. Good times. That's the voice of Sam Marsal. And uh, as promised, before we hit the break, we'll do an original song. Yeah. Sam's own. So uh, do you want the story now or afterwards? We no, let's like... do the story now leading okay. into it. All right. So um, I, did, I didn't want to like just, I just picked up one of my songs at random. But uh, so this song's called The uh, Whiskey and the Bullet. So it's. It's about a friend of mine. His name uh, was Jermaine Jackson. Okay. So, I mean, he was born in rural Mississippi. So, and a, 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 a poor, you know, African-American child. You're in rural Mississippi, poor African-American child, and you've been named Jermaine Jackson. Mm. On top of this, you're Jermaine Jackson, and you're extremely overweight. Okay. Yeah. So, rural Mississippi... African American, your name Jermaine Jackson, overweight. On top of this, he's gay. 
Oh man, not the probably not the easiest situation. Right. Um, I met him though after college. He uh, was a good friend of mine that worked in the Secretary of State's office here, and uh, he'd come up and visit. And Jermaine was awesome, super friendly, always outgoing, um, constantly made fun of me. <laughs> I mean, awesome guy. Um, but but he had demons, as, as anybody that probably grew up in the situation he did. So he moved to D.C. because, um, you know, he, he'd worked for the state of Mississippi. He was very much, all of his friends were, were in political jobs. And things just kind of fell apart. Hmm. Um, he was having issues and, and, you know, it was everything from... From from money to to alcohol to, to other things, yeah. and um, one day he gets pulled over for I believe it was no seatbelt up on the um the big area around DC the um, Parkway or okay and, yeah. um, and from what we know is that it was it was just a seatbelt violation. Cops pull him over, and as they're approaching the car, he uh, kills himself. Wow. Feel good Friday, everybody. Woo! Woo! But it's that's it's a real I, real story. Yeah, I, I I could do the song about my wife, which is but well, we got a lot of time. So, we we but, can uh, cheer them up after that. Let me back away. Okay. So, but uh there you go.
thank you. Thank you for playing it. Thank you for sharing that, man. You're very, very welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's um, it's powerful, and that's a that's a tough story. Um, I guess we process it. We can process stuff like that. Very good, good song. Um, yeah, that was. I remember when I found out it was. I think it was a, a Monday. Yeah. And I used to have Mondays off, and my wife. Who was was best friends with with when that worked in the Secretary of State's office with a Mr. Jackson? He um she called me and was just like, "Hey, man, this is what happened." And and it takes a while for me to write, but like that song, all of a sudden, was like done. Yeah, yeah. it came to you immediately. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's for some reason when I was I was an idiot. Like I had all these songs recorded, most of them. I mean, in looking back now, probably crap. But still, it's like you have 30, 40 songs, you're doing this one-man band thing, and it's cool to have that stuff. My computer crashed. I had no backups. I think that was the beginning of me just like... No thumb drives, nothing? Nothing. It's gone. And there's some little things here or there on the internet that I've posted over the years. Right. But most of the stuff is gone. And I have memories of certain songs. And a lot of them... Yeah, if for some reason for me it would come out of like tragic things or like a bad feeling I was going through. I'd have, I'd have a few happy songs, but for the most part, uh, it's the tragedy spoke to me more, inspired me more. It's well, that's it's as, as a musician, you always you always think about oh, I have to hurt, right. oh, yeah. oh, I have to write out of hurt, and it's <laughs> so funny. Like I think about songs that I wrote. And it's it's hard to believe I'll, I'll be married four years in May and been with my wife for ten years in September. But bef- like all the songs right before that, and some I still play, and it's it's some of them are just like, you know, just like. Woe is me! I was left on the dance floor last night with a yoga bomb in my hand. <laughs> you know, just he's like, or you know, I wish she would fall off a cliff. I mean, it's in. <laughs> And then you, and then, and then, like, or you have these like rocking, like, it, you know, avenge songs. Like, I'm over right. you. I'm moving on. You know, you're you're not in my life. You know, you know, to hell with the next guy. You know, right. And then now it's like you're writing songs, and it's about like the most perfect woman you met that's from Selma. Or <laughs> yeah, it's such an extreme. Or, or you know, writing songs about being a father and having a, a child. I mean, you're just—it's—it's it's a completely different thing. Well, and it gives you a snapshot of where you were too, in a way. And you hope the best songs, I think, are enduring. But you also get a snapshot of like, oh, I remember that headspace I was in. It's—it's—it's it's, it's funny. Um, one of our buddies, Byron Sheehy. Yeah, I know to, Byron. He used to uh, help produce a uh, uh, Baron Jack show. Yeah. He posted about Jason Isbell the other day after Jason, he was talking about Jason Isbell on the face page. He was talking about him winning his Grammys and he goes, do you ever miss the early Isbell alcoholic, drive-by truckers, angry, depressed? Because, you know, if you listen to like his early stuff and now you know, sober, has a little girl, married to Amanda Shires. I mean, it's 
it's two different two different guys almost. Yeah, I mean, you go through the stages of life, and you almost get to document it. And and you know, it's one thing to have like Facebook, to have yeah. photos, to have even camcorders, or now our phones. <laughs> <laughs> like, and yeah, you get you have those moments. Like, we just got a bunch of old home videos and put them on DVD, and I haven't brought myself to watch them yet. It's still kind of. <laughs> It, well, it's also like a sore spot. It's a funny spot. Like, ooh, I was an awkward I kid, was so awkward. an awkward kid. Um, but also, like, I'm gonna see old, like my mom, yeah. real young, like the age I am now. And it's like, oh, I'm not ready for that. Not ready for that moment uh, right now. But when you have a song that's sort of a snapshot, it's it's bigger than just like a video or a photo. Right. Like it, you really can remember. That's where I was psychologically. That's where I was in terms of my friends and the people I love. Like, and and hopefully some things changed. I, it just came to mind for me. I wrote one when I was really depressed. I think it was, uh, what is it? I'm slipping towards the edge of something I don't know. Ah. Slipping like a stone, falling nice and slow. I hope there's something more than nothing when I go. So while I slip and slide, I'm going to make a toast to the movers and the shakers from coast to coast. It's good to be alive, so let's make the most. Because like sometimes it feels so bad, but I'm all right for tonight. I'm okay, at least for today. Uh, it's, I mean, it's that's the thing about with music. It just, it's like it's, you know, what are the, one of the, not even a guilty pleasure. One of my probably top, my one of my top three bands. Period, and nobody ever guesses about me is Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, okay. Like I, I think I've got. I mean, I remember going to record shows and like buying import singles because they, yeah, because they numbered them as Halos. So like. Like, Head Like a Hole single in 1989 is Halo 1. Then Pretty Hate Machine's Halo 2. And then Sin is single's Halo 3. <laughs> and, I mean, and collecting these. And, I'm, and I, I, I'll have friends that I'll go home and see during Mardi Gras. And they'll, if they're riding with me, they'll be like, we don't have to listen to Nine Inch Nails anymore, do we? <laughs> but it's, it's like you can sit there and, you know, listening to, like, Pirate Looks at 40. Like, oh, I wish I was out on the boat drinking fruity yep. drinks. And, yep. and then all of a sudden, like, you know, like... I mean, it's it's just yeah. <laughs> if you're not a musician, and, and you know, and I guess not being a musician, I guess I haven't talked to enough people that are not or not music lovers, right? You know, you can, you can talk to Rick Rick Peters, and he loves music. Yeah. Like he sits there and he'll tell you about when he was in Miami or here and, and about a song, and it's and it's the same thing as when you're talking to musicians. But right. I almost wonder: Do people that aren't musicians do they do they? Is it just noise or is it right? It's just it, and like you just saying that brings up memories of like songs I heard where it's well, there's like a recent one songs you've heard hundreds of times before, like "Any Way You Want It" by Journey, <laughs> and and you know I've heard that song and it's it's all right and like it's a good you know rock pop song. <laughs> But the memory I'm thinking of, I'm down on the coast. My dad now lives down there in, like, oh, the cool. Perdido Key area. Nice. And, uh, yeah, he's right near a marina, and he got a new boat. He wanted to show off the new boat. It's not a boat, it's a yacht. <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> and uh, and we get on the new boat, and he's like, you want to drive it for the first time? I'm like, yeah, I want to drive this thing. <laughs> he's got a huge JBL 
uh, Bluetooth speaker. And for some reason, the speaker went out, like the Bluetooth went out. Uh-huh. And I just start to, you know, rev up the boat a little bit, getting used to it, not going that fast. It's like in the canal, like by the bay. So I can't, like... You're in the intercoastal canal. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it can't go full tilt because there's other boats coming the other direction. So I'm being careful, just getting used to driving this boat. Feeling it out. And then all of a sudden, the speaker pops back on, and it's like the the beginning of any way you want it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, uh, let's go. Yeah. And it was just such a sweet, <laughs> fun moment. And, yeah, I think of music almost in cinematic terms. Uh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, it, it's tied up in the in the scenery and the people, and there's just something about it that it it's more than just a song and yeah. a, a string of notes and, and percussion. Um, it, it really it speaks to me in that way. Now, you said you have a, a, a song about your wife, right? I do, I do. You want to share that song? Yeah, yeah. I, I can do you this one. Do that? Yeah, I can, I can sing this one. Okay. <laughs> But, uh, yes, I have a wife. Her, her name is Emily. Yes. <laughs> so, um, back with her previous job, I believe she was on this, these airwaves a, a good bit. She was. So, um, but, uh, yeah, this is uh, called Sugar Cane. So.
Yeah, I had somebody invite me to a Mardi Gras ball here in town in the last second. I'm like, I don't have a tux. Well, it's, it's the ones here are fun. Yeah. Um, Mobile's a, a different thing. It's, it's all tails. Um, oh, wow, yeah. And then I ride next Friday with the crew of Columbus. But let's see. I, I do have gigs coming up. Uh, uh, February 16th. Uh, can I say the name of a place? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll be at Aviator Bar. Cool. With a couple of singer-songwriters, are actually, so it should be an all-original night. Nice. Um, that's on the 16th. What's this? Rick and Moe's. Nice. On uh, Saturday, March 3rd. Gotta love Rick and Moe's. Rick and Moe's. Rick and Moe's. A lot of memories there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just there's a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of stuff booking. You know, it was... Um, to, to be completely honest, it was if if any of y'all that, that I was I was playing a lot of duos around town with our good friend Mr. Ben Hagler, yeah, and um, so it's 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 weird because he he was such a large, it's not a character, just such a, a, a just bigger than life, and he was a booking machine. No, oh. but the thing is, is Benny played drums and sang. It was incredible. So you'd get the call like Friday at three o'clock. Like, I'd look at his schedule and see when he booked gigs and then not book because I know he'd need a guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so I'm having to kind of get back on the booking horse. But, uh, yeah, but uh, every every gig we play is a, is a, is a hashtag boogie for the band. Absolutely. And, uh, oh, man, I, you bring up Rick and Moe's brings back memories of my old roommate, rest in peace, uh, Matt Wujic, yeah. um, Ben Hagler. I mean, we went to a few of the open mics over there and, you just have fun. Oh. I mean, do originals or do some covers. Just hang out and have fun. Yes, yes. You don't always have to be uh, fantastic. I remember doing a, a original um, that I was, it was very self-conscious about because it kind of had to do with family. Right. And uh, it wasn't the nicest song that I put it in a sweet way. The line, the hook is, I hope heaven finds you. It's a nice way of saying, hope you die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it, again, it's kind of puts you in a place where, oh, I, I was like that for a second. Uh, but Ben took the time to say, you know, folks will politely clap all the time. But Ben actually took the time and said, that was good. Like, keep going. And um, there's always uh, some good memories tied up. And uh. we can say for those, well, we're... We're pretty much done, man. Like counting down the clock in like 20, 30 seconds. Yeah, this is this came, this went by way faster than I, I even predicted. Well, and I'd love to have you back, and uh, I'm, I'm going to try to get back into the music scene myself around Absolutely. town. And uh, I think for now, it's going to be my roommate and I sampling a lot of stuff, yeah. doing those sort of tracks, but also uh, some original stuff, like just get back to the singer songwriting thing. And I was in such a rush today, I didn't bring my guitar, but. The time flew by so fast, so Sam, thanks for coming in. 